When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everyone? Welcome back. It is Jay Scott, and it is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. When you're done listening, don't forget to send us a five-star review. Let us know what you think. Hope you do enjoy this episode and all the previous episodes that we've done. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I always mention the great platform that is Pantheon. You can visit them at pantheonpodcast.com as well as on social media uh, at Pantheon Pods on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's a bunch of music podcasts with a bunch of people talking about different things in music. So I'm sure you're going to be able to find something to your liking. So please check out all the great hosts and all the great shows on that platform. And don't forget to search The Hook Rocks on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And now Threads, you can visit us at The Hook Rocks. So please do that as well. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download wherever you podcast so you get the latest episode right to your phone. Follow us, subscribe to us, whatever you need to do on each different platform so you are able to listen to us. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary. We welcomed the great guitar player, Nita Strauss, and we celebrated our 500th episode with Dax Nielsen, the drummer from Cheap Trick. And we've had some great episodes here recently. We did our quarterly album review, which we break down the top albums from each quarter till we uh, finish the year. Then we do our end of the year. But we kind of do it a little bit in a unique way that not a lot of other podcasts do is that we take the best albums, as I said, from each quarter and we talk about them and we invite 
followers that we have that we know to put their top 10 list together too. So it's a great discussion, about a two hour discussion about a whole bunch of albums and a whole bunch of great music. So please enjoy that. We also had our audio professor Skylab talk about Exponia, the audio convention here in Chicago, talking about upcoming technology in the audio world. We did a live album quarterly review with Rob. And we talked Cheap Trick live at Budokan. We also welcomed other guests, too, as well, like some new music spotlights. Julia from the Foxies, great band out of Nashville, as well as the Weathered Souls and Mitch from the band Moon Fever. So please enjoy that as well. And some previous guests from earlier this year, we had George Lynch from Dokken. We had Kip Winger. We had Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, too, as well. And Richie Kotzen from the Winery Dogs and Scott Gorham with Don Jameson. Uh, Scott Gorham, of course, from Thin Lizzy and Don Jameson from the great rock show, That Metal Show. So please check out all those and more. And as I mentioned, we've got another new music spotlight here to talk to you today with a band called The Gods of Sometimes, which is really cool. I, I got sent this about a month ago, and I really didn't know what to expect, right? I mean, that's what happens when you get a lot of submissions from publicists and bands and management companies, and you really don't have any expectation. And I think that's always great because you kind of go in there with a fresh approach, a fresh mind, and I just love this music. It's kind of like this grungy, Beatlesque type style that uh, I just absolutely love. And we're going to talk with Brad and Andrew from the band, we like to welcome them in. What's going on, guys? How are you? Howdy. Well, thank you again for doing this. I, I, I do appreciate it. Like I said, you know, I didn't really know what to expect with this band and just love the arrangement and kind of the the uh the approach to the to the music is a backdrop to these melodies that are just awesome. They're just gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we knew what to expect either when we started uh, recording and writing. Just kind of let it happen. Yeah, we had no vision for what this was going to be. And then it just, we I think we both knew that we wanted to do something sort of mellower than the, the bands that we come from or in the heavy realm. And uh, we just, you know, we're older now. So we <laughs> we don't have as much testosterone. So it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you do you do mellow out. Uh, as you get older here, right? I mean, yeah. uh, at least sometimes, at least well, most of the time. Sometimes you have that surge of energy, like right. when you had when you, in your youth. Right. Uh, I know just by going to concerts. You know, I, I saw I saw Judas Priest in October of last year. And I, I've been a Judas Priest fan for years, and I walked out of there going, "Man, I don't know if I can do this again because they are just extremely loud." And <laughs> when I walked out of the venue, my son was fine. You know, he's 18 years old, and I'm I'm thinking that I'm walking next to a 747 as I'm walking back to my car, and I can't hear anything. I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know if I'm uh, if I'm up to this anymore." Yeah, well, uh, Brad still plays frequently in Fu Manchu, and they're they're a loud band, but they're very very good at it. You are loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. No, it's it's a hard dose of reality when that happens, you know, because especially growing up with rock music since I was, God, eight years old, seven years old and listening to it for all these years. And then having that moment when you're like, yeah, maybe if uh, maybe it is too loud, which means I'm too old, which was always the same. Right, right, right. <laughs> but before we begin and get into what we got to talk about, we always start the same way every time we begin a podcast with a first time guest. And that's really what we're all about here. And just like every rock fan has a moment or, or every great rock song, I should say, has a hook that pulls you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band a song, an album, or performance, what hooked you on rock and roll? Brad, you go first. Oh, boy. Um, hooked me on rock and roll. Um, gosh. I mean, when I was, when I was really young, uh, my dad was, you know, big fan of music. Um, he was always listening to albums in the house and um, we definitely split our time between like rock music and mellow stuff. It would be, you know, uh, one day would be Cat Stevens. The next day would be ACDC. Um, as far as hooking me on rock music, probably when I heard Iron Man in, uh, I bet I was probably like fourth grade or something. Um, that riff, you know, like it does for anybody who ever hears it sticks with you and, um, you know, become enamored with that, like, yeah, kind of thing. Um, that was kind of part, probably part of what was a catalyst for me wanting to get a guitar. I, I heard that, um, and, uh, I just became obsessed with having to get an electric guitar so I could play that riff. Um, but, um, yeah, like I said, it was definitely, you know, always a combination of listening to, to rock stuff and mellow stuff. Is it my turn? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I was uh, uh, very similar, just my childhood, and I guess that dates us a little bit. But um, uh, I, I did grow up in a musical family, but not rock music. They hated rock, so rock was very much a rebellion for me. Um, not 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 to like rebel against my parents, but just sort of uh socially like uh it was not accepted sort of in the circles i grew up in and so that's why i liked it and then it was sort of rebellious in that way and um you know and i grew up in the i was a kid in the 70s so i got all you know when zeppelin blew up and the beatles were just you know were 10 years old at that you know when i was a kid the beatles were 10 years old kiss was blowing up like rock was still in its heyday and so like i loved it i loved it then still do was there a moment when you guys wanted to be in a band always oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from, from a little kid i for me i mean i think i saw a guy playing drums in church 
And I was like, I want to do that. And I was like three or something. So I think Brad's story is kind of similar. Yeah, we uh, when I was a kid, we used to vacation in uh, Las Vegas almost every summer. And um, although this might have happened in Lake Tahoe, the the first time I saw live music performed was uh, we saw Captain and Tennille play at some casino. <laughs> and I was so young that I didn't I hadn't understood up until that point that music was something that was created in real time by human beings. So I was like blown away that these people were sitting behind instruments, playing them and performing music. Um, and uh, not that we ever saw any rock bands. Um, I, but uh, being exposed to that, um, you know, and then as I got a guitar and became interested in guitar, that, um, that aspect of, you know, performing music became appealing to me. We saw like Christopher Cross, Cool in the Gang, um, <laughs> the Village People, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. That's cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember uh, watching Cool in the Gang and uh, paying close attention to the guitar player and wondering how he was able to not be electrocuted by his electric guitar. I was like, wow, it's his electric guitar. Isn't he like getting zapped by this thing? Like, how do you do that? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of similar for me. My first concert was Eddie rabbit and <laughs> um, the country singer. And I was okay. probably four, maybe th- God. I mean, it's gotta be three, four, five years old. But, you know, AM radio was very big at that time. And that that country music was still was predominantly on the radio for the most part. And I remember going to see Eddie Rabbit. And, yeah, I, I think that the whole spectacle of the show and the performance and hearing the music and understanding that this was all happening, like you said, in real time um was a big impression on me and you know from there it went into rock music but uh yeah that i mean that's why i always tell people who who have young kids who aren't into music i'm like well take them to a show well it doesn't have it doesn't have to be a rock show it could be anything right it could be just a, a show at a festival you know where you put your lawn chairs out and everything i mean have them exposed to that because I think that's really important because we live in a day and age right now where kids think music is programming beats and on a computer, they don't understand that there is an instrument that plays those beats originally. Right. And that's where all that stuff comes from. And um, I think it's more vital than ever for young people to appreciate the arts and understand the work involved and, what that how that all happens with making music or making any form of art yeah, yeah. preaching to the choir yeah yeah <laughs> no, I, I had a you know just had a discussion when i had julia from the foxies on you know we talked about that like just take your kid to a concert just let let them experience live music take your kid to a museum have them sign up for an art class and understand the work involved and how, what it takes to be good and what it takes to challenge themselves and have that appreciation. So when you do hear a guitar player, or you do hear drums or someone singing, they can understand the work 
that has led up to that point. They didn't just, you know, stand in front of a mic or stand in front of an, in, in front of an amp. Very few people can, like less than 1%, and all of a sudden be a master of the instrument. You know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. It's fun. I, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I almost think like, I don't know how, you know, how your school experience was like in grade school and junior high, but did you guys have like music appreciation in, in school? Not- um, when I was in kindergarten, they had someone come to the school with violins and they let the children try them out. And I definitely, um, they could tell I had a knack for it, mm-hmm. but uh, they tried to get me to learn how to read staff, which is, you know, the notation for, you know, playing violin. And I instantly lost interest. And um, it was only till much later when um, some weird little organ ended up in uh, my house and I discovered that I could learn like hollow note songs by ear on it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I remember I'm, I'm kind of, this is kind of fun. Um, which, you know, eventually led to the guitar. Um, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, but um, as far as like the school thing, like, um, yeah. Yeah. I had a taste of it, but I didn't like the uh, the structure. And um, eventually I did take music theory in high school. But at that point, I had been taking guitar lessons for years. So I, I knew half the stuff they were talking about. But it was just a fun way to spend time at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the benefits for anybody, you know, taking music classes. It might not help you when you want to play rock. In fact, I feel like it shouldn't <laughs> like um, uh, I, I feel, you know, rock is kind of like Andrew says, is a, a rebellion against that kind of structure and um, more of a do it yourself kind of thing, expression than um, the whole school kind of experience. But uh, they're both important. Yeah, I just. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I didn't have music appreciation class, but I did go to, a, when I was a kid, I lived in Israel. Uh, that would have been late seventies, early eighties. And I went to an international school of about 400 students from, uh, kindergarten to 12th grade. There was a total of 400 students, a very small school. And they had, uh, a pretty robust music program. And so I got exposed to it young and I was playing drums uh in the jazz band of the school at age like nine and i was playing with uh seniors in high schools and and stuff like that and so i got exposed to a lot of older musicians than myself and and in in in, and the uh um the one of the band leaders the teachers there had a little home recording studio with he had a little reel-to-reel four track and that was super interesting to me and it was this whole world that got exposed to me very young of of you know performing music uh recording music um and totally stuck with me i mean that became what i do for a living so yeah no i just think that again you know exposing younger people to how music is made real music authentic music i think that does um make an impression on young people where it's not just um i think i think people like ourselves who grew up with music and had 
situations where we experienced it at a young age, I think our appreciation of it is different rather than now it's just kind of click download and skip, 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 play a song for 30 seconds, skip, 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 you know, and it, it, um, I think it does, I think it does change how you absorb it when you're kind of taught how it's done. You know what I mean? As far as the music goes with the gods of sometimes you mentioned like, this is a lot more mellow than what you guys are used to. How did that come to be in terms of the tone of the music? You mentioned that you didn't really, you kind of had no expectations going in. You kind of didn't know where this was, was going to go. When did it become apparent that this was going to be the sound of the band? Um, well, with, um, me and Andrew working together, uh, first, uh, with Fu Manchu. And then, um, I was, uh, playing drums for Moab. We were just sharing heavy music, but, you know, as we were doing this, you know, we would have conversations and talk about, you know, different music that we liked. And we both, um, you know, understood that we had interests outside of heavy music. And, um, I, I had put out like a solo EP. I think it was maybe around 2006 or something that was more mellow. Um, and, uh, I know Andrew has done, you know, multiple projects with bands where he's uh, not playing rock. We, you want to fill him in Andrew? Um, uh well you know i so i'm a audio engineer by trade so um i've worked with a lot of different bands and different audio and that's exposed me to a lot of music and um uh also i'm for me personally on a more personal note um what sort of motivated me to want to do something more mellow was my my dad passed in 2019 and sort of when he passed, it sort of, uh, it sort of took the air out of my, or the wind out of my sails kind of type thing. And like, I think heavy music for me came from a place of, uh, joy, not, and not a place of, uh, like pain, like it does for a lot of people. And so when that happened, it, it kind of, it just made me want to not make heavy music for some reason. I, I, I can't really explain why it just, I, I was kind of sure about it. And uh, Brad had mentioned, came to me and mentioned wanting to make a, you know, work on a solo record. And I said, or he wanted, he said, how much would you charge me to, to make a solo record? And I said, well, I'll change, I'll charge you nothing. If we just make it a, a, a duo, let's write together and make a record together. And he, he, he jumped on it. And so it went from there. And then the style of the music, uh, just sort of evolved naturally. We did have some songs that got tossed because they didn't fit sort of where we were headed. We didn't know where we were headed. So, you know, I'd say about 75% of the songs made it through. And then about, I don't know, two or three songs, we just, this doesn't fit where we're headed. And then we got there and. Like that, yeah. Some things came together a lot easier, so we kind of headed in that direction. As far uh, as the the melody and 
you know, the approach to this and the, where the influences came from was, was this something that you wanted to approach going into this or did this just come authentic or, you know, organic? There was, there were common influences that we had that we would, you know, discuss and just from like a fan standpoint, you know, things like uh, the Beatles, obviously, and uh, Neil Young, um, Gosh, what else? You know, so many different things like that. And it was kind of kind of like um so we'd have a mutual understanding of what you know we were kind of comfortable with sounding like. Um, and then the style kind of took over. There's definitely influences there. Um, you know, as far as the Beatles and Neil Young, and I love uh lots of 70s singer songwriter stuff um and super mellow bands like bread and america and um things that i'm, I'm not quite sure how popular they are with uh indie kind of rocker people but like um my personal influences and i, I think they kind of find their way in there too um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think at first we were kind of, you know, discussing how we wanted it to sound. And then eventually we just let it kind of take its own course. Yeah. It's pretty organic that in that way. We didn't, we didn't fight it too much. We just kind of went, this is cool. And then, okay, well, this song doesn't fit. Okay. Let's ditch it. And, you know. What was it like working together in this capacity? Total um, hell. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It was. It did take a long time because we're located, you know, a couple hours apart physically, and just because of our schedules and family and stuff, um, we would have to only kind of work on the weekends. Um, so it was something that was worked on you know, kind of remotely and, you know, occasionally together, mostly when tracking. Um, but uh, it, it took a long time, but at the same time, it came together, given the circumstances, pretty fast, I think. I mean, when you talk about, like... Only working on the weekends, or if that, yeah. When you talk about, like, a band like Boston that will take seven years to, you know, finish a record they're probably have access to the studio 24 seven. So given that, I think, you know, I'm happy with how quickly we are able to finish it. It is definitely a trip though, to finally be able to release it in its entirety. Looking forward to it. As far as recording and creating remotely, that's a a huge change for a lot of musicians, especially that have been doing it for a long time. There's also a sense of freedom with it. There's a sense of um, flexibility with doing that. What's that process like as far as recording remotely versus being in a room together? Instant uh, feedback. You kind of, that's the, that's the only real difference to me is, um, you know, crafting something by yourself and then having somebody listen to what you've crafted 
as opposed to them sitting there while you're crafting it. Um, to they both work, but they're they, you know, it cha- it changes how it comes out. You know, like anything, like if you're painting a picture and you're by yourself and you're painting it and you get it to a point where you think it's good and then you hand it off to somebody, as opposed to that person being next to you while you're painting and sort of influencing your the the, the brush strokes type of thing and it's both lead can be great results they're just often different hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good well now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds with raycons upgraded everyday earbuds now you also get active noise cancellation ergonomic design and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once new quick charge function three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones i even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. That's a definitely definitely a completely different process than what I normally do. And in, um, in Fu Manchu, we we get together physically in a room and we, you know, play parts and we decide on the fly how long you know each part is, um, and we we record it directly onto a cassette four track. And there's no editing afterwards. It's all done kind of um done right there and then and um with uh gods sometimes you know we record and we have a really you know extended period of time afterwards to to edit it to try different things sonically different arrangements um we had definitely had nothing but time to to approach it that way so that was uh that also helped i think in letting the songs take their own course and kind of find out what the sound of the band um was going to be that's probably why you know a couple of the songs at first you know we like were checking them out and uh you know like push those aside as things started being written and recorded that we felt kind of had a more cohesive uh, sound to them. You know, you mentioned, you know, the influence, you know, recording this and, and the songs that you wrote, what was behind the decisions to release these 
first few songs um, as kind of your introduction to your audience? Um, you know, we, I don't know if we really knew exactly how to approach releasing it. Um, because we, we hadn't, you know, done this kind of thing before. Um, and as far as the music that people are familiar with that, you know, comes from my end, uh, I didn't really know what kind of overlap we might have audience wise. I didn't know if there would be any overlap whatsoever. Um, so I think we wanted to uh, just give people, you know, a couple tastes and um, use the opportunity to re- release the songs individually um, to kind of, you know, remind people um, instead of, you know, putting it all out all at once and having people be like, uh, you know, one listen to the entire thing to decide whether they were, whether it was something they liked, we kind of felt it would be better to um, be like, check this out. Hey, how about this one? And now there's this one. Um, I don't seem like a good idea. I think anytime you're releasing something new in, in, in a project, you know, there's always that, at least for you guys, right? There's always that sense of anxiety, you know, will people dig it? Will people like it? Um, is that, does that come to mind for both of you or was this kind of made as a project to satisfy your creative needs, you know, individually and now together as a unit where you dug it and you hope your fans dig what you did? That I, I think, I think that I, I, it for me personally it was it was very much like i said my 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 dad had passed and i was just in the mood for making music that had a that featured a lot of melody and harmony and chord changes and mood and stuff like that as opposed to you know riffs and you know fist pump and so it very much uh was that and and you know it goes through your mind you know are people going to like that sure that goes through your mind but it didn't really influence anything we made what we wanted to make i think yeah i'm pretty used to that kind of approach with with fu manchu um I was you know like as a in my teens was like really delved into pretty obscure classic rock and um yeah and some punk and stuff and around orange county where we're from there definitely wasn't any kind of bands there was you know heavy bands um but they were more metal and then the other side of the spectrum was just all ska and stuff like that um pop punk and we weren't interested in making that kind of music. And we just basically made the music that we were, you know, wanted to hear um, influenced by the bands that we liked. And um, I think the same approach comes into play here where we're making music that we want to hear, not strictly making it mellow because we feel that might appeal to anybody. Um, but uh again you know 
making something that you want to hear personally and hoping that it's something that other people want to hear, not um, catering to that. Yeah, it's definitely like, I feel at this point, I mean, I don't even know what, if we were to cater to people, like I'm, I'm too old to be in tune with what, you know, like. It wouldn't be this kind of music. <laughs> I, I imagine doing something like this is, gives you some creative freedom where, you know, while you're in a band, um, you have different voices within a room and you have different expectations for each member. Um, and of course you all align at some point with your thoughts in the direction of the band, but when you're doing something on your own and you're creating kind of for yourself, um, and you only have you to have internal conversations with, you, you know, there's, there is more of a, a sense of what I hear in my head is what's going to come out, you know, rather than someone saying, well, let's, let's let's put this in. I think we should do this, all that kind of stuff. Do you guys feel the same on that? I think the the key to the sort of musical freedom we have in this project is due to Andrew's talents as a writer and producer and engineer, because we, you know, can work on a, a song and we can think, you know, completely without boundaries. We can be like, Hey, how about strings on this? Or how about, I mean, there's almost any instrumentation as possible. Um, with uh with you know the technology that we have at our disposal and with andrew's you know knowledge of how to actually utilize it because i don't like i can bang on some drums and i can play stringed instruments um and occasionally get in front of a microphone but um the the entire like soundscape of it is something that andrew has the the key to that uh vehicle and it's it's awesome it's made it a lot of fun and it made it a lot uh very very rewarding to be able to like hear it back and be like whoa we did that cool made a real Thanks, <laughs> andrew you mentioned you know this recording was done after your father had passed and you wanted to do something mellow was there a bit of a reflective mood for you when doing this album and writing these songs? Just a, a mood. Yeah. But that's it. No, 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 no like oh, I'm going to sit down and write a song about how, how, you know, sad that is. Cause you know, everybody goes through it. Um, uh, it was more just, um, yeah there was no specific like lyrical content or anything like that that relating to my losing my dad but but more but like you said a mood yeah that's a good way to describe it maybe a mood of just sort of uh coming to terms with you know loss a little bit that's one of the things that does stand out with the music on this record in this first few singles is the mood it's very atmospheric. It kind of does relax you and it, you bring in then these vocal harmonies and, and it's just, um, and, and the melodies too within the vocals. Was that something that was right off the bat? You wanted to create kind of an atmosphere with the music. 
I think I think uh, both of us come from bands that like to do that. So even in, in even in our heavy band, you know, Fu Manchu does it a lot. Uh, Moab did a lot of atmos- atmospheric stuff. It's just part of. To me, it's just part of good record making. You know, you want hooks to be there, but you also want you know ear candy for your ears to catch little things and you know how you do that is is uh can vary but uh i I think that's just part of good record making what comes first for you when you're talking about creating mood with music do you have the music with the mood already you know the idea in your head and then you try to match the lyrics to that mood do you write the lyrics and then try to find a mood to mirror these these lyrics or are they completely separate entities no matter what you just kind of marriage them together um for me the lyrics are usually last um not always but you know probably 90 percent of the time the lyrics are last and uh basically if if i'm writing a a guitar lick or a piano lick and then a melody comes out i usually have a mood in mind by what whatever that makes me when right when i've written it i i can hear kind of oh i want this to be like this kind of song or this kind of song so i'll go with that approach it doesn't always end up like that but i'll present it to brad or brad will present something to me and we'll go like oh I could hear it being like this. And then we try to kind of go that route, but then also be open to, well, that's not how it's turning out. It's turning out like this. And then we'll just, you know, be open to, to changing it up as you go along. If it's cool or know when it's not working and change gears, you know? Yeah. I definitely find that um, when you're writing together with people that you need to let go of uh kind of that uh, demo-itis where you hear things in their infancy and like picture them being a certain way and become like, you know, confused or like when it starts becoming something else um, and you need to, instead of trying to make it adhere to like your initial impression to like let it become something more than it was when it began. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, being a Fu Manchu, we, we've had the same lineup, uh, I think at this point for probably about 22 years, 23 years possibly. And, uh, we're really comfortable working with each other and respectful and, um, we have fun and I think that, you know, has helped me uh, with, you know, the whole approach to writing and recording where you all kind of, you know, work together and don't and try to like, you know, impede the process and, you know, find like the ultimate goal, which you might not see at first, but um, we'll be a lot more rewarding if you kind of let that happen. Well, guys tell everyone where they can find the album and find you guys. 
Um, you well nowadays the best place to kind of seek us out is on the Instagram, which is uh, Gods of Sometimes. Um, we have the other various places to listen to the record and stream it, like Spotify, Apple Music, um, and then um, we oh, have Bandcamp too. Bandcamp, Bandcamp, where you can purchase it. Um, and uh, I believe that we will probably be will we be selling the physical copy on Big Cartel. Anyway, the record comes out tomorrow. Uh, uh, check us out on Instagram or Bandcamp. Just gods of sometimes. Um, uh, and am I missing something? No. <laughs> well, all the information will be in the show notes for anyone listening. Check out the show notes, and you'll have all the links to their social media and where to get the album. Um, Andrew, Brad, I really enjoyed this. Enjoy the conversation and love the music and good luck with the album. Thank Thanks you very much. much. Thanks for the support. Absolutely. Like I said, everyone, check out the links in the show notes for the podcast. It'll all be there. So just click on that and that'll lead you down the way to getting their music and listening to their music. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. Thanks again for tuning in on the Hook Rocks. Take care of each other. Stay safe. and We will talk soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 